Blog Talk Radio. Okay, uh, uh, hold on for just a second. <laughs> You're listening to the digital meet and greet with some guy named Jay and JT, uh, but we're having some issues with something, so uh, so just bear with us. All right, hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the 800 pounds of Gorilla Funk in the room.
Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That was uh, Ask Your Mama from the Groovelottos. Oh, yes. And uh, we have the Groovelottos front man on with us tonight for the digital meet and greet. Uh, and uh, before we even bring him on, I'm actually going to bring on the uh, the host, JT, and then we'll take it from there. Hey, JT. what's going on with you, man? What's going on? Oh, yes, I'm going Oh yeah, I'm doing well. No. Staying, staying safe and staying uh, healthy in the in, during this uh, pandemic, this scare. Yeah, the coronavirus it's scare. Definitely serious, man. It's definitely oh, serious. Yeah. A lot more serious than I think people really realize, man. Having to really, um, you know, not just self care, um, self reflecting and. And definitely just staying, you know, prayed up right now during this time. Um, it's very important. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. True indeed. True indeed. Yeah, we definitely have to. All right. Well, we're uh, actually waiting on the guest to uh, to pop up. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I actually I inboxed about our, our guest tonight. Say it again. I couldn't hear you. I said a little, um, give a little um, a small synopsis of our guest tonight before, you know, as he, oh, you know, yeah. wait for him to ride. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, as you know, we played uh, played one of the songs from his from his band, the Groovelottos, uh, Ask Your Mama. He's Waleen. He's, all, he's the jazz poet. Also, uh, well, we're actually, we're not here to talk about his music. We're actually here to talk about his book. Land of Black Squirrels, and oh, here he goes. Yeah, let's go ahead and bring him on. Okay, Waleem. Hey, brother, peace. How you doing? I'm doing well. Let's throw the cheers on for. You ready for this digital meet and greet? Oh, let's do it. Oh yes, oh yes. Oh, well, I was actually telling the listeners. About who you are and why they should be excited for this, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the mic to you to let you uh, tell them all about the book, tell them all about what you got going on, who you are, and uh, and then we're gonna start. We're gonna go from there. Okay. Um. I guess I'll start. Well, peace and blessings, everybody. My name is Mualim. I'm a um. I guess you could say multi-genre artist. I work in music, theater, <clears throat> film, and uh, literary works as well. And um, I've been a playwright for a number of years. A uh, number of my pieces have been performed on and off Broadway as well as throughout the United States and in the Caribbean and even Canada and the U.K., and uh, as a musician, I've been in the business um, now for, I guess, going on about 36, 37 years. My first professional gig as a musician, well, I guess my first performance as a musician, um, or big performance, was when I was 13. I played at Carnegie Hall. And then when I was about... 
16, I did my first studio session, just a situation of being in the right place in the right time. But I did my first stint as a session player on a project for EMI Records. And um, I've been writing uh, all of this time as well. And um, started writing in high school and uh, started winning school competitions and citywide competitions for creative writing and for storytelling, and kept on with the storytelling um, as a storyteller professionally when I got out of college, and even while I was in graduate, while I was in grad school, I went for screenwriting, which was an extension of the storytelling piece, but what I wanted to tell stories about were the experiences of being a musician and just sort of contemplating what it was to be a jazz player. And every writing teacher I knew always told me, write about what you know. And I knew about music, and I knew about the Bronx. So I decided, let me write about music and musicians and the Bronx. And um, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, so I grew up alongside the origins of hip-hop in the Bronx. And it was interesting to experience hip-hop from the standpoint of being a musician and having that sort of indoctrination and then looking at something as raw and abstract as hip-hop from that standpoint. So I wanted to sort of talk about that marriage. So years back, there was a um, storyteller in Boston. He's departed since joined the ancestors um, by the name of Brother Blue who used to host storytelling sessions in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And um, I used to attend them and finally told a few stories. And one of the stories I told was the, I guess you could say, the nucleus of the novel. Um, and I called it Bronx Boheme and uh, expanded the story. And it took many forms. Part of it actually became my thesis uh, screenplay at where I was a grad student at BU, and it didn't really work for me as a film because the story just felt broader than a movie could be. And, uh, and of course, you know, this is years before you had Netflix and series, but um, I kept on playing with it as a story. And then um, in 2003, I told a long form story, it was a 30 minute version. Story, 30 minute storytelling piece if you could imagine people sitting through that without throwing stuff at you um, I did the 30 minute version of the Bronx poem which was the longer story and then um, I finally just fleshed out the story and decided let me try it as a novel but in it being an, in, in it being a novel I also wanted to sort of explore the jazz poem slash epic poem form um, that had been used by writers like Langston Hughes and um, Luis Reyes Rivera and um, uh, Thomas Dumas. A lot of a lot of the writers of you know the Harlem Renaissance, um, Black Arts Movement, and so forth. John Oliver Killen. So I wanted to sort of try writing something like that. So I, I treated it like a poem in a story form and. That's where the novel came from. Land of the Black Squirrels is actually novel one 
Um, it's part of an overall series, which is Bronx Moet. But uh, I don't know. I guess I rambled long enough. Oh, I mean, you know, it, hey, hey, all, all the information you want to give, hey, you, hey, the mic was, the mic is all yours. <laughs> no rambling. Uh, all right. You know, all right. All, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I will all check. Right. Uh, actually, actually, uh, before we get more into, uh, before we get more into it, I want to see if, if JT had any, uh, had a question for you or anything. Okay. Yeah. Um. First of all, Wallem, welcome to the digital meet and greet, man. It is uh, such an honor, man, to be able to interview you, man, and learn more about you. Um, and, and just the fact that you're talented in so many different levels um, is amazing, and you have an amazing story. I want to ask a question. Uh, uh, when you first uh, picked up an instrument um, and you were at a young age, what was that like and what was that feeling, if you can remember, uh, learning and perfecting playing that particular instrument that you first picked up? It's it's funny you should say that. I grew up with a piano in my house. And so that was the first instrument I sat down to. And honestly, I didn't really take to it when I first played it. Um, The first instrument that I actually ended up playing was the viola. And I really actually wanted to play the bass. But the string teacher at my middle school needed more people with the arm length to play a viola or a cello. So I ended up with the viola instead and actually enjoyed that instrument. So that, um, I guess, was really sort of like the first instrument I really sort of really um, took to. And one thing I know is that everything I'm really good at now, I was really bad at when I started. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I did kind of have the Dead Cat Symphony thing going on the first time I played a viola, but uh, it was really just a thing of trying to get better at it, trying to um, get a better sense, better control of it better uh, way to express myself and um, music sort of became that because you know middle school is a weird time for everybody and when you already have a sort of different way about you middle school can be absolute hell and um, music sort of became like I guess my my go-to my, my yeah. getaway, and it was sort of like it became something that I could focus on. And I, there was, a, you know, there was also just a fascination with music overall. You know, the same way, you know, it's, it's the same thing with when you hear about DJs talking about their parents' record collection. It's the same thing as a musician. You're going through your parents and your grandparents and your uncles and your aunts' record collections, and that becomes a fascination. So now that you're actually playing an instrument, you can relate to the stuff you're hearing on the records even more. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Um, and, and in saying that, I wanted to ask you about getting into the talent that you've discovered um, in writing and being an author. What kind of, of feeling did you get being able to express yourself 
and now put you know put something out that reflects your thoughts and your feelings. Well, it, it, it's a funny thing. Um, I had a teacher in second grade, and the thing was, I got into second grade without actually being able to read. Like, you know, I could read a word or I could read words here and there, but in terms of, like, reading a whole sentence and reading comprehension, it was virtually non-existent. And uh, my second grade teacher, whose uh, name is Dr. Michael Shaw, he's actually now the head of literacy education for um, St. Thomas Aquinas College, but back then he was a second grade teacher in the Bronx. He actually taught me how to read by teaching me how to write. And so it was interesting. So learning how to read actually came from writing my own sentences. So it's kind of strange. My original sense of reading or that sense of accomplishment, I guess, came at that age. And, you know, of course, as, you know, time went on, writing more and more and, um, here too, it was, it's the funny thing of, you know, everybody I know got bored in school and doodled in their notebooks. Yeah. Yeah. Any anybody any anybody in the crew right now who can say they didn't do that? They're paying one hundred percent attention and wearing like drawing pictures and illustrating comic books in their notebook while they were supposed to be doing social studies. Oh, that, that oh yeah, we all did that. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, the funny thing was, I would write stories. I would draw pictures but I was really I was pretty bad at drawing. I, I drew like stick figures but I would draw I would draw stories around the stick figures. And um so I used to actually doodle stories in my notebooks and I remember one time, um well not more than one time, how we would read plays in class and I would sit down and I didn't even realize this is what I was doing but I was writing what they referred to as a subtext to the play. While we're reading the play, I'm writing what the actors are doing, which oftentimes had absolutely nothing to do with the lines. And, you know, I'm just doing this to amuse myself with finding out later on when I'm actually getting into theater, this is actually something I'm I'm doing now as a director, that I was just doing doodling in my notebook because I was bored. Oh, wow. So that, you know... Wow. So that was, you know, that was it, and, you know, um, I remember one of the best pieces of advice I got actually came from my mother when I was getting hung up on writing a book report. I think I was in either fifth or sixth grade, and she said, say it and then write it, because if you can say it, you can write it. And I think that sort of then sparked the entire thing of being a storyteller so then taking what I say and writing it down and turning it into a text form, um, I think that was kind of where that began. Oh, okay. Sort of, okay. sort of like the beginning of sort of the beginning of the writing style because, you know, even to this day the novel is written is phrased more in the way that I speak than say what you would say proper or standard English. Yeah, that's that's dope because it really personalizes it and really makes it all your own. So when somebody is reading it, 
they can really connect into, um, you know, what you're trying to say. Um, I got one more question for you before I kick it to my man, some guy named Jay. Um, and also, man, hey, we appreciate everybody tuning in to the digital meet and greet with my man, Wildem. Um, I got one question, man, that I'm, I'm wondering about, and it's this. Which one was more challenging? Was it reading, you know, learning to read and, and, and write and coming to your own, or was it when you first started learning how to read music? challenge I think that is the challenge I think we all face is sort of like growing into ourselves I think that probably was the was the um if not the more difficult I would say probably the longer of the challenges um or I would say definitely the more um expansive of the challenges Grow, you know growing into my voice, um, figuring out how to channel my voice, that kind of thing. As a, you know, as an artist, as a um, as an educator, uh, you, you know, just just sort of like trying to find how you do that. Especially sometimes when you're going into areas that are, um, you know that are sort of un, unvisited. It's like the, the interesting thing of people saying, well, what are you? Are you a musician or are you a writer or are you a director? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, well, you can only be one. I'm like, but I'm not. And, of course, you always hear the people who always make the comment about Drip uh, None, and I said, yeah, how about Master of Many? And um, that, in fact, is what the term grandmaster means, believe it or not. But, you know, it, it, it be, it, it's sort of like trying to figure out how to do those things. And, of course, what happens is when you also even try to find mentors or examples, sometimes you find yourself falling into mentors where their concept of mentoring is going to be more, how do I use your talent to meet my agenda or my objective? And so, you know, um, navigating your way around that, these are all, I guess you could say, the challenges and the pitfalls that you sometimes fall into. Um, one of the beautiful things was, um, in terms of role model, one person who I was uh, made aware of at a very young age was a gentleman by the name of Paul Robeson. And looking at what Paul Robeson did, it was kind of like, yeah, like that, because you had Paul Robeson, who was an actor and an opera singer and Phi Beta Kappa and an all-American football player and um, a civil rights activist and a human rights activist and world traveler. And it's sort of like you look at somebody like him and it's kind of like, yeah, okay, so it is possible to do stuff like that. Awesome, awesome, man, and a dope answer to go to that, and, and, it, and it brought me to another question I wanted to ask you before we before I kick it to my co-host. What was the decision like when you, after you finished up your graduate um, studies and things? What was the decision to stay in Cape Cod instead of going back to New York? What was the deciding factor in that? Well, 
Well, I did for a period go back to New York. Initially, what happened was I had gone, I'd come up to, you know, I'd always been uh, half of my life in Massachusetts. You know, my father's family are um, Mashpee, Wampanoag, and native to the Cape Cod area. And um, what I came to find was I'd been in Massachusetts between Boston and the Cape you know, for college, and then in the summer I'm on the Cape, I found that this was more, at least at that point, this was more kind of my vibe. And I also found a sort of, I guess you could say, an artist community that I fell into. It was a wonderful theater company in Boston called New African Company, where I was able to develop as a theater artist and develop as a musician and a writer um, under their tutelage and also wonderful opportunities to get my work developed and presented. So that kept me here. And then after doing things with New African Company and my own theater company on the Cape Paul Oversoul Theater Collective, after doing that for a few years, I ended up then moving back to New York and doing my thing in theater off-Broadway and doing the um, Greenwich Village music scene because, you know, after a while, you, you kind of outgrow. And this is, of course, before you had, <clears throat> excuse me, the present-day opportunities that you have on the Internet. Because the Internet, you could be any place and and go global. But at the point that I'm talking about, which is the 90s and the early 2000s, you had to be in a central city. You had to be in a New York or a Los Angeles or in Atlanta or a Nashville. And um, so I went back to New York and did my thing there. And, you know, my theater work picked up momentum. My music work picked up momentum. I got signed to a major. And, um, you know, I was just sort of like living the life in New York for a few. And then just realized it was time it, it was time to go. After You know, after it, it, it's funny, there's a song by... Um, by Gil Scott Heron called New York is Killing Me, and I, I could really vibe with those words and knew it was time to go, and that was around, that was about the time that the opportunity came. Um, I was offered a professorship at UMass Dartmouth and decided, yeah, it's time to go, and that was when I um, came back to Massachusetts for academia. That's what's up, man. Oh, dope answer to that as well, man. Uh, again, y'all listening to the digital meet and greet with your host, JT, and some guy named Jay. And, yes, I call ourselves the digital tag team champions of the world. So, with that being said, I'm going to kick it back to my man, some guy named Jay. What you got for me? Uh, yeah. Um, Waleem, I'm glad you, uh, you know, you, you're very in-depth with the uh, and very elaborate with your answers and things and letting the, the audience know just pretty much uh, not just answering the question, but really going in depth with it. Um, I have a lot of questions myself, but I definitely would like to uh, get the listeners to jump in and ask you some things. Um, for anybody that's listening in on an app or a third-party website or a link or anything like that, just give us a call at 929-477-3872. And press one, and we'll bring you on again. We're talking to Waleem, the author of the author of the book Land of the Black Squirrels. Uh, and definitely, you could get that. He's gonna we're gonna shout out the links and everything like that. Um, now, basically, uh, what I want to do is uh, oh, also, if you're already streaming from your phone, you've already dialed the number. All you gotta do is just press one, and we'll bring you on. 
Um, what I was going to ask uh, before I get into all the other questions is uh, if you could read a piece of the book for us. Um, just just a small excerpt for now. We're, later on, we'll have you read a little more. We're getting some more people, uh, you know, tuning in and things right like that right now. So I want to want right, you to give on. them a taste, a sample. Okay, okay. Give me a second. Uh, give me a second. Let me just grab a copy. Okay, okay. While you're doing that, I want to let everyone know that um definitely give us a call. Uh, Wally, what we're gonna do is as they call in, um, I'm not gonna. I don't want to interrupt you. That's why I said you know pick a like a shorter passage, uh, because we're gonna we're gonna start getting some calls. They're gonna start flooding in, and I hate you to break it up just for that. So, uh, but but I do want to get them in so they can talk to you and everything too. Um, so just let me know when you're ready, and um. Okay, just give me a moment. Okay. Okay, no problem, no problem. Uh, you know, for everybody that's listening, we got Waleem, of course. He's the author, jazz poet, author of the Land of Black Squirrels. Um, and I and I like what he said about uh, you know, a master of all, or uh, what was that term? Um, uh, uh, a master of many. Jack of Jack, Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, I know that's what they say, but what you said, you know, your your term was master of many, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, yes. I, I, I you know, I've struggled with that too. Uh, there's so many things that I, that I, that I, you know, put my hands in and stuff like that too, and um, you know, I, I actually got discouraged by uh, by people getting confused as to okay, what what exactly do you know? You you do this, you do that, you do that. You do this, what, what you know. So, uh, but but hearing you know people like you and and pe- other people that do many other things, it's very uh, inspiring because you can't just you only live one time. You can't just do one thing. You know, you want to do all you can in this in this life that you have. You know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, that I mean that that sort of becomes the you know that that becomes basically form as I see it is in general communication and then it's just really sort of like what medium do you want to pick? It's like with a painter, do they want to do it with pen? Do they want to do it with watercolor? Do they want to do it with acrylic? Do they want to do it with oil? Do they want to use magic marker? Do they want to use charcoal? Well, it's basically those same types of choices. What is the impact? What is the uh, story? What is the mood that you're trying to that you're trying to get across? You know, it can be the kind of thing of do I want to sit down and describe autumn to you with the brown leaves blowing in the wind and the sound that they make when they're scraping on the sidewalk, or do I want to replicate that sound and use um, flutes and uh, drums? And sort of like create that soundscape for you. What 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 is the medium that we want to do, or do or do we want to just simply capture it as a video or as a photograph? It's what you know. It, it's all the it's all the same thing that you're trying to communicate. But now, what is the medium that you want to use? And that sort of like as as a um, multimedia artist or as a multidisciplinary artist, it allows you to bounce back and forth between how do I want to how do I want to send this message. Ah, oh yes, true indeed. Uh, 
Oh yeah. Um, also, also before you get to the pat, you you still getting the getting the book, or are you ready now, or? Um, just about have it. Bear with me one moment. I'm oh. sorry about that. Okay, no problem. Um, again, for everybody that's listening, if you want to call in and talk to Waleem, just give us a call at nine two nine four seven seven three eight seven two and press one. And we'll bring you on. Uh, if you're already streaming from your phone, all you got to do is press one, and we'll bring you on. You know, he's he's open to talk about many things. Not although we have him on here for the book, he's welcome to talk. He's open to talk about many other different things. Because as you know, he he has his hands in many other different things, and he's great at them. You know, he does music. You know, he writes, has stories, every a lot, lots of different things, and he and he's not just, you know, I mean, he's great at each one. You know, so any anything that you you want to talk about, and you know he's a very worldly, educated. Uh, uh, um, well, I, I can't really find all the words that can en- encompass it, but he's he's, you know, he knows a thing or two about a thing or two. <laughs> so uh, so if you want to get off the topic and and chop it up with with him on other subjects, you know, you certainly can because he he's well rounded. He he has you know, he can put you on to some things. You know. All right. I, oh, I, I can also tell you because I'm actually sitting here with one of my partners. Um, I'm to tell you about multitasking right now in the process of building and opening a new recording studio up here in um, Massachusetts near Cape Cod called Polyphonic Studios. And it's going to be one of the only professional facilities, I would say, in probably an 80-mile radius. Um, where people can come and knock out some real work. Oh yes, definitely, definitely. So anybody want to hit you up about the studio? You know, I know a lot of artists, you know, listen in as well. Anybody that want to talk about this, you know, get some studio time or or, or whatever, you know, collaboration, whatever. You know, you could bring well, it I mean, on, bring it up. Studio time. Um. Our chief engineer, Chuck B, a.k.a. Sonic Monk, he also, by the way, teaches engineering. So you got people who got home studios. He can teach you how to take your home studio and actually come out with a professional product from from that home studio. He's that kind, you know, so it's that kind of thing. But even beyond just recording your sound to that extra level so you can put it on Spotify and on iTunes and actually compete. We do mastering, so we can take your piece and master it for you or um, adjust the mix for you. So, you know, all kinds of services for indie artists and labels. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Definitely. I'm glad. Uh, and, and definitely shout all that information out, too, you know, uh, where they can get in touch with you, um, you know, uh, emails, phone numbers, whatever. Shout it out, you know. Oh, all right. Well, Polyphonic Studios, you can find us on Facebook at Polyphonic Studios. You can find us on Instagram, Polyphonic Studios. And uh, we're right now developing a website. And, you know, but by all means, hit us up on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, stay posted as the studio develops and comes to open. You know, it's definitely going to be a special kind of space. Oh yes, definitely, definitely. 
In fact, everybody involved in uh, everybody involved in build, building the studio is involved in Grammy-nominated projects. So, yes, got you've got considerable expertise going into the place. Oh yes, oh yes. Uh, uh, JT. Yes, sir. JT. Yeah. Well, I'm. Uh, I, I, some people actually hit me up online you know, asking about the digital meet and greet. As I respond to some of those people and getting them to, you know, encouraging them to call in instead of just sending a question over to me, uh, if you got any uh, other questions, Waleem, definitely, you know, hit him with that, you know, as he as he's looking for the passage. Well, I got the passage. Yeah, Waleem. Oh, oh, okay. What, what were you going to say, brother? Well, no, no, no. If you got the passage, man, go ahead and drop, drop that. All right. Yeah. This this is actually taken from the prologue, uh, this section, Entering the Land of the Black Squirrels. The sun shined with that hazy glow that it always gets in the late mornings. Bare trees and dead leaves lined the sides of the highway, casting an orange tint on the world. It had been sunny all the way down the New England throughway, but there was something about the way it glowed on the remnants of the cedar swamps and marshes along the perimeter of the tall buildings of Co-op City set it apart. Once upon a time, this part of the Bronx was known as Eastchester, the easternmost part of Westchester, located between the Bronx River and Pelham Bay. It became a part of New York City in the late 1800s. It took about 50 years for the inhabitants of the several villages that make up Eastchester to start calling it the Northeast Bronx. To me, this was the land of the black squirrels because it was the first place that I'd ever seen a black squirrel. No, I don't mean squirrels of African descent. I'm talking about squirrels with thick black fur, along with personalities and proportions that are bigger and bolder than the gray squirrels. I capitalized the B, which is actually very dark brown, but the history and socio-political status. You see, at one point, there were only little gray squirrels that lived and played in the parks, trees, and fields of Eastchester. They would feast on the nuts, popcorn, pizza crust, and breadcrumbs fed to them or discarded by people, eating as they sat in the park or walked down the street. It was a good time, and the land belonged to them. Then, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, came these black squirrels. I was probably about eight or nine when I first saw a black squirrel running around in front of my grandmother's building on Darrow Place. One black squirrel among hundreds and thousands of gray squirrels. Then, I slowly began to notice more black squirrels running across the lawn, playing around the trees and sitting in the paddleball courts. The black squirrels had come to claim their territory, acting in accordance with the laws of nature. At first, the black squirrels tried to get along with the gray squirrels, but the gray squirrels would gang up on them and chase them away. That is, until the black squirrels grew in number and began to stand their ground, giving the gray squirrels to flee to Westchester and other states, even as far away as Florida. To this day in the Bronx, you will see mostly black squirrels sitting on the walls and fences near buildings or running around trees and lawns. No one seems to know where the black squirrels came from. It was even rumored that the gray squirrels actually descended from the black ones, but who really knows for sure? It's believed by some that certain animals embody the spirits of ancestors and those who've gone on to the spirit world. And this is their way of visit and this is their way to visit and send messages. As our days and lives go on, these creatures could very well be fulfilling that role. Oh yes, oh yes. Oh, man. That's, that's wow. really dope right there, man. Um 
man, it makes you want to run out and get the book and get more, you know, get some more insight on that without question. Man. That's dope. Jay, what you got for me? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm actually uh, still talking to some of the people online. That was great. The passage was great. Um, yeah, I just want to say to all the people that want to talk about the book, talk to him, uh, talk to us. Just give us a call. If you're streaming from a link or a third-party website or an app or something like that, give us a call at 929-477-3872 and then press 1 and we'll bring you on. If you're streaming from the phone already, like if you already dialed the number, all you got to do is just press 1 and we'll bring you on. We're talking to Waleem, the jazz poet. He just read a passage from his book, Land of Black Squirrels, Land of the Black Squirrels. And, uh, hey, you know, he, he just read a read an excellent passage from it. Um, he'll be giving you information on how you can purchase the book. Uh, also, if you just want to chop it up with him, if you want to talk about different other things, um, he does music. Of course, you know, we played uh we played Ask Your Mama from the Groove Lottos from his band earlier in the earlier in the show. Uh he also he he's building a studio um for, for more people to, to, to come in and rock with him. Uh he has a lot of great things going on. So uh you know, let's talk about it. Uh let's go ahead and take this first caller. Caller in the uh oh. Okay, there we go. Caller in the three one zero Five nine six. You're on the air. Who is this? Hey, how you guys doing? My name is Amber Joanne Graves. Nice to meet you. Hey, Amber. Yeah, let's go ahead and throw how some throw some claps on it. <laughs> yeah, thank thank you for calling in, Amber. She's uh she does a lot of great things in the community. You know, she uh she paints. She works with children. Um, I'll be interviewing her for the Blacktopia mobile app uh, this weekend. We'll be talking about her organization and what she does with the children. She does workshops with a renewed inspiration. Um, yeah, thank you for calling in. Is there anything you want to say to Waleem? Um, I just want to tell him, um, you know, always keep God first and, you know, never forget where you come from and just always know that, Anything you go through in life will also help you develop um, in your characteristics and your personality and your purpose and your passion. So just keep striving and stay consistent. I'm proud of you. Thank you very much. You're very, very, very welcome. Are you a writer as well? Um, I would say kind of, sort of. Um, I wrote my first book um, last year. I haven't did nothing with it, but... Um, I wrote a book, um, so I guess I I am a writer in some aspects, but um, that's not the, I guess, I guess that's not the majority of what I do. It's probably like a minor, but um, I'm well, an what, artist. What was, what was your book about? Uh, basically, um, it was called Questions of Change. I recently started doing a podcast about it, but um, it's just about like a spiritual devotion and asking yourself different questions that... I guess that makes you think spiritually and mentally, and how can you free yourself from bondage of this world? Okay. Okay. Um, yes. Is it is it available on any platforms? Oh, actually, I but all I did was like write it, typed it, and showed a couple people. But it's really like just sitting there waiting to be, I guess, 
uh, built, but um, I wrote the book, so I haven't got it published or edited or anything to get, you know, my book out there. Well, well, well when, when, when are we going to be able to, when are you going to, when are you going to share this, this, these words with us? Um, hopefully soon, um, you know, just praying and asking God to put people in my life to give me a sense of direction and guidance and to help me build this foundation and to promote my book to people that might, you know, have good usage of it. Well, how far along are you with it? Like it's a finished manuscript or outline or, I mean, where where are you with it? Um, you know, like I said, I just typed it. Um, it's more like a spiritual devotion. So like, I'm really not sure like what direction to take. I just know that was in my heart and my mind to write it and I wrote, I wrote it. So I don't even know what outline is it or nothing. How, how many pages is it? It's only five. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, it's a five-page is a five-page spiritual devotional book. Okay, here's what I would say you would want to do. Okay. Um, what you do is look at the five pages that you wrote, and then you yeah. consider. You consider now: are these five pages the direction for the entire book, or are they part of a bigger story? And right. then when you and then now this is where the outline comes in handy because those five pages might end up just being one of the um one of the Roman numerals say on your outline and then what you want to do now is find now especially since you're speaking in terms of spiritual terms what I always recommend in that regard I'm, I'm a big believer in in math, yeah. I would think of it. I would think of it as twelve chapters. Okay. For very, for very obvious, for a very obvious reason. And what you would do then is, okay, so now these five pages might be. You might realize that these five pages are actually chapter three, and you've got two things to say, two chapters to write ahead of it. And then now, what you sort of do is you sort of create an overall arc with the, with these twelve chapters, because what you're doing is as a reader. You're taking me through your journey, and then what you now what you also want to try to do when you figure out what you want to say in these twelve chapters is what is your voice? When I say what is your voice, meaning am I reading this like you said as a testimony? And a testimony is very much like reading journal entries or you know almost diary entries. Or are you or um, are you writing it? almost in a biographical fashion, in which case you're using certain story elements or allegories um, or parable, if you will, in deciding. Okay. It's sort of like, these, but these are, the, these are the things you then want to flesh out. Normally, a, normally, um, normally a, um, a manuscript or a book like you're speaking of would be about... 25,000 words, 25 to 36,000 okay. words. So that's what you want, that's, that's kind of what you want to think of as an age um, in terms of what you're writing. If you flesh it out, the piece that you want to do is you have to now be able to tell this fleshed out story in two sentences. Because the thing that you're going to find when you do the research is 
there are a lot of publishers who deal with inspirational, devotional, and sacred writing, especially in the black community. So there's, there are a lot right. of opportunities. There are a lot of opportunities for a book like the one you're, you're talking about. And what I would strongly suggest is I, I would take the idea that you have, develop it, put out, and get one of those publishers to get behind it, or even follow the uh, blueprint of one of those publishers and just, you know, get it out for yourself. But I, there's definitely an audience for what you're talking about. Okay. I'm taking it all in. I'm taking it all in. Um, thank you so much for that. That gives me, a, you know, some sense of direction where to go and how to break it down, and I appreciate that. Oh, good, good. Okay. Glad, glad to help. Glad to help. You know, it's, you know, it's, a, it's about pay it forward. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, uh, oh, go ahead, Amber. I apologize. What were you about to say? Oh, no. Um, I was just going to tell him a little about um, my nonprofit, Broken the Hill Others, and, you know, maybe one day we all can sit at a table and come together and figure mm-hmm. out, you know, a plan, a force to move forward in our community and, you know, try to help our community with expression and therapy and just different things like that. So um, if that's okay with you guys before we, before I get off the phone. Yes, yes. Actually, I was actually going to bring that up. Uh, we have some more callers. Uh, we're going to we're going to uh, call us hold tight. We're going to get to you all in just a bit. Uh, I want to say, uh, 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 Wally, um perhaps you know at, at an at a workshop that uh, that Amber is uh, is teaching it teaching at. Uh, perhaps uh, you all could perform. You know, perhaps they you know the organiz- the organizers could book you book the band to perform or yourself, you know, to read uh to the children or read to the uh to the youth. Uh yeah. You know, I mean it, it's a way we could all incorporate everything that we all do, you know, and, 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 and you know, what do you think about that, Wally? Uh oh, that'd be wonderful. That that would definitely be I'd wonderful. That too. Um I've been yes. looking to put something along those lines together, a conference along those lines Okay, that sounds definitely like a plan. Yes, what I'll do is I'll uh, cause you you both of y'all are in Blacktopia. Uh, what I'll do is I'll 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 tag you all in a post together, and you know y'all could uh exchange emails or whatever you want to do, and take it from there, cause it's, you know the opportunities are endless. That's why we do these digital meet and greets, so we could connect people together and 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 make some power moves happen. Okay, I'm definitely I'm definitely down. Well, I got, I hope you guys have a blessed night, and um, hopefully we'll keep in touch. Not hopefully, I know we'll keep in touch. So, um, I have a great night, okay? You as well. Definitely. All right. Be blessed. Good night. Good night. Yes. Night. That was Amber. Um, we'll be talking to her. Well, I'll be talking to her for the Blacktopia mobile app uh, this weekend. We'll be doing an interview, a sit down. I know y'all been been checking out my lives uh, for the events I've been doing with Renewed Inspiration, the workshops. She's been doing the the painting with the children and and things like that. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna start posting more of those community events on the Blacktopia mobile app and the Blacktopia website. www. Black. Too many W's I said. Wasn't it? One was. 
www.blacktopia.org, or you can uh, download the Blacktopia mobile app by going to Amazon.com if you have an Android, or going to iTunes if you have a, an Apple or an iPhone, i device, or one of those things. So um, definitely get the Blacktopia mobile app so you can get more in tune and informed of the upcoming community events and things like that. Uh, and so you can check out the exclusive interview with Amber about her organization and the work she does with children. All right, let's go on ahead and, and get to the next caller. Uh, oh, again, for people that uh, that are listening in, if you're streaming from a link or an app or a third-party website or any of these other ways you can listen to us, just give us a call at 929-477-3872 and press 1, and we'll bring you on. If you're streaming from your phone already, all you got to do is just press 1, and we'll bring you on. We'll talk to you. We have Waleem, author of The Land of the Black Squirrels. And, uh, you know, hey, the book is, the book is amazing. And um, we're talking about a whole lot of other things, too. Let me go ahead and bring on the next caller. Caller in the 919-724. You're on the air. Who is this? That would be me. My name is Dwayne Hennett. Dwayne, how you doing, Dwayne? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, we're doing what? Just doing a, a digital meet and greet. Now, Dwayne, are you the are you the guy I was talking to in Blacktopia about the book publishing? Yes. Yes. Okay. Great. Great. Uh, yes. Uh, so Dwayne, he wants to uh, publish his book as well. Uh, Wileen, perhaps you could give him some pointers or actually, you know what, Dwayne, I'll let you do the talking. I'm sitting there <laughs> introducing you for you. You go on ahead and you know, tell us about you. No, no problem. Well, I'm actually I'm actually a published author, but I'm I've written one book but I plan on writing more. Um okay. the first book I've done the first book I've done is called The uh, Ripple Effect, The Lasting Effects of Domestic Violence. And it tells the okay. uh, pathology of uh, domestic violence, how it starts, how it ends, and how to recognize signs of it. Um, I put that out about last year, um, and um, I've been promoting it, but I haven't got a, uh, as much of a following um, as I, I've liked. Um, so well, I'm just looking to see, you know, you know, questions about how do you get, you know, more publishers involved, and when you're publishing a book, um, stuff like that. Well, I, I would, I would. Where, where is your well, book available? Oh, sorry about that. I, I was going to say, first, where is your book available, brother? Um, It's on Amazon. Okay. Did, did you go through Kindle? Um, I have not done Kindle yet. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, well, how did you publish it, I guess I should ask? Well, I went, yeah, I did publish through um, Amazon, so I guess, yeah, I did do Kindle, I guess. Okay, okay. Um, here's a suggestion I would make. Um, well, I should first explain. Because I'm a professor, I can't really self-publish, or I should say if I self-publish, I don't actually get credit for it. So I had to find a publisher. Right. But um, but for but one of the things that I actually teach at UMass is how to publish your own book how to write and publish your own book. And uh, one of the first things I always try to tell my students is publish your book through Ingram, not through Kindle. You see? You said Ingram? 
through Ingram, through Ingram Sparks. Now, I understand this is not a paid endorsement at all, but you see, the thing that happens is when you publish through Kindle, I mean, through Amazon, only Amazon is going to carry your book. But when you publish through Ingram Sparks, everybody will carry your book. Because here's a little thing they don't tell a lot of self-published authors. If your catalog, your book might as well not exist. And so, and what happens is if you publish through Amazon, then, like, for example, Barnes & Noble is not going to carry your book because your book is published by the competition, or I should say your book is distributed by the competition. Ingram, on the other hand, is a neutral third party, so Barnes & Noble and Amazon can carry your book, but then if somebody walks into, say, like the local neighborhood bookstore and go on database and blam, it shows up. That doesn't always happen if your book is just published with Amazon. So that's one piece of info that I would give. The other is, um, do you have a sell sheet for your book? No. Ah, okay. You should actually have a sell sheet printed and in circulation two months before your book is available. Your sell sheet is basically the information like your book title, your name, the ISBN number, the page count, what forms is it available, you know, is it available, printed, digital, etc. a synopsis about the bio of you, a picture of the book cover, preferably a picture of yourself. This, you know, this is what what's really important with a book and getting it out there is your marketing material. Because the, the thing that I've learned is even with a publisher, as an author, you need to be on top of that. And, you know, um... Like, did you make, do you have printed copies on hand, and did you go to, like, libraries and bookstores and try to do author signings and stuff like that? Um, I did my book, well, I did a book launch um, last year, but I haven't done any book signings yet. Okay. What, now here again, this becomes part of your marketing plan before the book even comes out. Those are all opportunities to market your book and to also market your expertise in the area. So, like, before your book comes out, the sell sheet that I just mentioned, you can find, by the way, templates for sell sheets online, but the sell sheet that I just mentioned and a cover letter to people organizing these conferences, um, you might be able to get on a panel you might be able to even get a table to sell your book. Um, but these are all ways to sort of get the book out there. You know, a launch is a good thing, but the launch is sort of like, you know, the launch is sort of, a launch is exactly that. It's almost like your farewell hit the road part, in a manner of speaking. Because it was like, when you know, when I had my book launch, I had my book launch, I had a bunch of people there family, well-wishes, and that kind of thing, and it was nice, but then, um, and of course, now with the um, issue with the coronavirus, my book tour has been basically put, has been suspended, but then what I had to do was I had to have a book tour, so like every week, I was hitting a festival, or a bookstore, or, uh, um, or some kind of event, or a 
conference where I had a table marketing my book or I had an opportunity to get in front of an audience and read a passage of the book and then sell my book. But that's the kind of thing you have to do when you have a, when you, especially if you're an independent author, those are the kinds of things you have to put in place. Um, writing, writing the book almost becomes like Brown and now you have to sort of become like a PR marketing person and get out there and figure out how do I move my product? How do I get my product in front of my potential audience? And also, especially because you're dealing with a, with a topic like that, how do I get my expertise? Because likewise, coming on, well, radio shows, this one, or similar radio shows, and being able to come on as an expert, you know, this is so-and-so, he's an expert in this field, he's written this book, this is also how you begin to build up that rep. So, you know, a lot of it comes down to your promo plan. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And well, okay. I also want to add, I also want to tell tell Dwayne uh, also for your for your marketing and your publicity, I'm a PR specialist. Holler at me. Right there. Yes. I work with Waleem also. I've, I've worked with the band, the Groovalados, uh, many different people that you've seen in Blacktopia have used my services and and it's gotten them, gotten them way further, gotten them way more exposure. Uh, aside from this blog talk radio, that I, there's other platforms I'm connected to. Uh, some I produce, some I'm a contributor, some I'm connected. Uh, you know, I can get your uh, your book and you and your book on many different platforms and in front of many different people that will be interested in uh, purchasing your book. Okay, well, let's do that. Yes, if you ever, uh, you know, I'll give you more information in the inbox, and uh, you know, we can talk from there. Um, but hey, that's that's what I do, and uh, and and also uh, JT, he also offers uh, services with Big Blue Radio as well. Um, you know, if you want to just have like a book ad, if you want to have an ad running, um, I also work with uh, advocates of victims of domestic violence, such as Tiffany Brown. Um, well, Tiffany. Well, <laughs> you know, when you put on the spot, you gotta you draw a blank sometimes. But Tiffany Brown and de- de- uh, different um, organizations, such as Butterfly Visions Project and things like. I'm actually working with her. Ah, I'm actually working with her in August. Excellent, excellent. Tiffany uses my services too. <laughs> you know, every time she needs okay. a press release or. Yes, when she needs a press release or she needs an ad or something like that, she she always hits me up. <laughs> so so yeah, that's probably my hot well, well you're in Blacktopia, so uh, we all know each other some kind of way. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah we'll yeah we'll, we'll definitely uh get that going. Uh, Wally, I didn't mean to in- interrupt though. Uh, you you were you were on another point right before I jumped in. Oh, no, not at all, not at all. And and you actually sort of covered what my next comment was. Jay, Jay's a man to talk to about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Thank you for that. So, yeah, Dwayne, um, oh, yes, definitely, definitely get with me. Um, uh, Dwayne, we're gonna, we got some more callers waiting. Uh, do you want to hang out with us a little bit uh, while we take the other calls? or? Sure, I can. Okay, definitely. I'm gonna keep your mic open. So uh, if you got anything going on in the background, just mute it or something like that. But if you want to just jump in, you're welcome to jump in. 
Okay. You know, if you think of any other questions or anything like that. Definitely, definitely. All right, let's go ahead and take these other callers. Uh caller in the caller in the five zero four nine seven seven. You're on the air. Who is this? Uh, my name is Jeree Charlotte. Jeree. Oh yeah, let me uh yeah. throw some claps on it. Thank you. Yes. Yes, yes. I, 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 it's, it's good to hear from you. How are you enjoying the show so far? I am enjoying it quite a bit. I was wondering why I was invited, but um, it sounds like everyone's talking about their projects and people are weighing in on resources that they know of that can help them. Do I have it right? Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's the uh, digital meet and greet for Wileen, um, the author of The Land of Black Squirrels. Uh, you know, we have people that, that, that are authors that want to get advice from this author, uh, people that do music, because uh, he does music as well. And, you know, we're just the, the point of the digital meet and greet is just to network all around. And uh, I know you're a member of Blacktopia. You know, we talked several times. I know you travel. You're, you're into many different things and, and was, uh, was hoping you could, uh, even if you don't have anything to uh, contribute to this particular discussion, I mean, just having you know, just more people supporting more people—that's that's great. That's good on its own. Maybe you might, uh, you know, purchase the book, <laughs> you know, to read while you're on the island or something. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'm currently living on the island of Roatan, Honduras, and I'm experiencing the same amount of quarantining. I guess everybody else is experiencing. Uh, seems like all the countries are taking their handbook from um, El Salvador. Uh, they're doing a 30-day quarantine, nobody in, nobody out, and Honduras is doing the same thing. Um, so what I work on when I'm not living here, I am the owner of Elite University After School and Summer Camps. Uh, so we have a music-based after-school program during the school year. Um, I, took, I basically put that program on the shelf so I could come and live on the island for a little while. Um, but we also have a liberal arts um, university-style program for pre-K-4 through age 12. Uh, and that program has three separate departments, so fine arts, um, which includes mixed media arts, culinary arts, musical theater, creative drama, and um, music immersion. And that's like um, music lessons, piano, violin, guitar, and the kids take music theory as well. Each one of those programs is a one-week program that we offer throughout the summer. Um, and in uh, Houston, it's one week. In, in Austin, um, we have a music immersion and musical theater program. Both of those are two weeks long each. Um, we have a STEM program. Um, the science portion of that program is a medical science program. And then there's a veterinary science program. Each one of them is a week long. We have robotics, and then we have aerospace engineering in Houston, and we collaborate with um, NASA Education uh, with that. Then we have an athletics department, and that includes gymnastics, horseback riding, archery, fencing, and karate. Um, and so all of those programs are one week long. Um, in Austin, we're including water sports, and we have a program called Camp Outback, which includes a lot of those things that the kids do outside in addition to hiking 
And um, I think we go to we go to West Cave uh, Natural Preserve, and we talk about sustainability, and we talk about um, being responsible for the environment. So the Houston program is about 15 years old, and the Austin program is about two years old. And so what I've been doing is going to different places and talking to kids about the things that they're most interested in. And then I just trust them with what they tell me. And then I run that kind of programming for them. Um, So when we go to San Antonio, when we go to Austin, that programming is going to look different as well, because that's going to be a different set of kids, a different set of goals, um, you know, and some different, you know, avenues that those kids want to go into. Uh, But that's, that's what I do for a living. Oh yes. Definitely. I, I I was gonna say oh, yeah. I, I was here slightly chuckling because um plot of the novel is built around a community academy that's arts based. Oh. Chapter chapter one of the novel well, begins cool. in, chapter one of the novel begins in nineteen sixty nine as a jazz musician and painter named Obatunde Bay leaves his job at the Parks Department to build the New World Arts Academy in the Valley section of the Bronx. So as, oh, wow. as you were as you were talking about the structure of your um of your program that is basically similar to what the um form that they follow in the academy um, because um be, being being a teacher and an art teacher and academic, I very much believe in the structure that you're talking about and can appreciate it wholly. And um, thank you. In fact, uh, I was just saying to, um, to Jay, right now my partner and I are building a recording studio. Part of the function of the recording studio is not just to be as a recording studio, but it's also functioning as an audio production and music academy. So, um, fundamentally, any fundamentally any kind of art, um, any kind of arts institution, in my belief, any kind of arts institution should also function as an educational institution, especially when it's dealing with our youth. And this actually goes back to. Um, um, some people don't uh, might be aware. 1821, in fact, it was the period 1821 to 1823 in New York City, Greenwich Village. There was a theater company called the um, African Grove Theater, which was which was out of a tea garden. It's actually on the um, northwest corner of McDougal and Bleecker Street in Greenwich Village. And it was owned by a gentleman named um, William Brown who was from the island of St. Vincent. And in this tea garden, um, the African Grove Tea Garden, in the back they had a small stage where one of his waiters was a Jewish-born Shakespearean actor, started an all-black Shakespeare company. Now, part of the function of the Shakespeare company was also, um, also a way to um, develop literacy within the pre-black community of the time. So all of this, so all of this to say that you're you're carrying on a very grand tradition. I do think it's really really important um, to have these type of 
programs for children because once you start working with kids, it, it kind of becomes a community hub. And if you get further into what you're doing, you're inviting parents, the little bitties come, you know, we started taking them. We used to not take them until they turned seven or eight. And then right, right. someone asked me, you know, what, you know, what's the earliest you can take them? And I said, well, I'll take your four-year-old. And so gradually we gradually started this program that was pre-K four through age six. And so what we found with, with taking them younger and younger is that they become more comfortable with doing new things and that oh, yeah. breeds a person that is a person that has more confidence, even a person that has confidence to say, I tried this, I was awful at it, you know, but everybody cheered me on and I was ready to try something new after that. And so it's, it's an amazing thing to watch these young people, you know, grow and develop over the years. But what's even, even better about it is that their parents are so proud that they're investing and they can see a real difference in a change in their kids' lives. So you, you become friends with the parents, you become friends with the grandparents, you become, you know, a person that people call when they say, hey, my kid wants to transition because they're, you know, we take them as, as late as 12, but when they turn 13, we start looking for different things for them because we want them to, to advance. And so it is an amazing, you know, thing to experience. And I believe that more communities need programs like that uh, because, you don't bicker with each other as a community when everybody has a goal that is to make the next generation have more access than what you had. You know, well, I, can, I think I that's can really, it, really important. Well, I can take it. Well, I can take it one step further. When you get to my age and you start teaching the children of the people you started teaching as a young educator. Oh, that's scary. This my first batch of graduating from uh, is graduating from high high school and college this year. The first batch well, of kids I ever taught fifteen years ago, and that's just crazy well, to me. I can't believe they're grown. Well, imagine when they were your students when they were nine and ten, and then <laughs> and you now have a batch of nine and ten year olds who you have calling them by their parents' names because. Oh. They are the, because, because it's like, wow, this is a repeat in more ways than one. But it's also, a, it's also a very fulfilling feeling when you realize you have that sense of community where it's like you're, you now have a generation of students who instead of calling you um, Mr. Peters, call you Uncle Mwalim because that's the way that because that's what your parents call you. <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah. You know, so, and that that's really um, cool. That is really cool. I look forward to that. I really, and, really and, do. Um, but but it but it but it's it's the it's the it's actually the um it's actually the responsibility of arts institutions to also be educational institutions. So again, I you know um, having having been institutions and then having um then later as a teacher of one and then later founding one. I, again, you know, I applaud what you're doing. And, and I can also say welcome to the circle. Thank you. Thank you. you know, I appreciate I, you all inviting me. Yeah, oh, yes. But, um, and, 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 not to, and not to pitch hard, but especially since you have some time on your hands, get a copy of Land of the Black Squirrels and you'll recognize and appreciate a lot of what goes on in that story. 
Okay, let me look to, look at this online. Hold on one second. I'm going to put this on my safari. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's All right, now, Land. Land of the black squirrels. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I could, uh, you, you found it. Now, how do you say, yeah, I found it. How do you say your name? Walim. Walim? Walim. Very cool. Walim. like the French Walim. Okay. Very, very cool. Okay, I found it, so I won't lose it. Okay. Definitely. Excellent, excellent. Also, before we go to the next caller, uh, Jerry, you know, when you start back to summer camp, uh, perhaps, you know, you can have Waleem uh, sing or read to the children. Where, where are you, uh, Mr. Waleem? My camp is in Houston, and then it's in Austin. Uh, one um, of the things I'm, that I've been really wanting to do, and parents have been asking for, honestly, is a creative writing program. All of I can the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade parents have been asking for that. Um, I can actually help you with that definitely. Um, I've been te- I've been teaching creative writing to all ages for the better part of the last thirty four years, and um, mm-hmm. I'm actually I'm actually I'm actually a professor of creative writing now at U- uh, UMass Dartmouth. But um, I oh, do all wow. kinds of but I do all kinds of writing programs, literacy based writing programs. Um, I I get. I mentioned earlier that I actually, when I was in second grade, learned how to read by learning how to write. And my teacher at the time is now the um, director of literacy education for um, St. Thomas Aquinas College. But he employed a technique where um, writing out sentences enabled me to then figure out how to actually read them. And um, so it was just sort of like, those two points of discovery happening at the same time and learning later how to employ that into um, different techniques. Like one of the best techniques I've used in terms of early literacy has been um, improvisational theater, for example. Yeah. Things like that. But um, what we can can do is exchange contact info and um, figure out something. Absolutely. If if we can get through this virus, I have no idea what's going to happen with the school system because the children have been out of school. When this, when if this passes, they would have been out of school for a good month if they stay out until April. So who knows if the school system is going to say, well, we're going to extend it into the summer, or if we're going to go year round. If the children end up going into school longer, then I I kind of don't have a job this summer. <laughs> But definitely for I'm, 2021, um, uh, just I'm, to I'm, see what we can see. Dude, I'm actually trying to develop some online writing workshops just because there are so many people sitting at home. Oh, that's a blessing. That's definitely a blessing. Um, Jonathan, how do we how do we exchange information? Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tag you two on a post, and you guys could uh, could just go from there. Um, but in the meantime, if you want to shout out any emails, yeah, if you want to shout out any emails, go ahead and, and, and do that as well. Okay, uh, polyphonic. I was going to say polyphonic studios 
bb at gmail.com. Yeah, I'm just going to wait until we can get together via Facebook. No worries, in Messenger. But thank you so much for having me on. And I appreciate you, gentlemen. This is great. Definitely. Thank you, Jerry, and I really appreciate it, and glad we were able to make that connection. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Y'all have a good evening. You as well. All right, same with you. All right. All right. We got uh, we got some more callers. Uh, again, if you're streaming from an app or a third-party website or a link or anything like that, just give us a call at 929-477-3872 and press 1. And we'll bring you on. We're talking to Waleen, and uh, we're talking to him about a, a many different things. This is what the digital meet and greets are all about, so we can connect with each other, do business, sell products, uh, exchange information, exchange knowledge. That's what it's all about, you know. Uh, so, so would you like hey, a little more? If you, if you want, oh yeah, go ahead. Watch would you like a little more of the book? Oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to definitely uh, get some, you know, get you to read some more excerpts. I want to. Um, Lead through these callers right quick because some people that start falling off and hanging up and you know what I'm saying? All right, all right. You know, so yeah, oh, yeah I want to get everyone. To... Definitely, definitely. All right, caller in the six three zero three four zero. You're on the air. Who is this? Hey Jay, it's Dominique, aka DC Can Cook. DC Can Cook. Yes, let's go ahead and throw some claps on it for you. Yes, How you yes. doing, sir? Oh, we're doing well. Just doing the digital meet and greet. Glad you uh, were able to call in. Yeah, how are you enjoying it so far? It's been really good. Uh, I know it's been a while since I uh, chimed in, but I definitely wanted to show some love. You know, I love what you're doing. Uh, definitely supporting black businesses and um, I just really just called just to show some love and just much props to you for everything and anyone that you know that is on the show right you know the the gentleman that's on the show right now and anyone in the future just much success to you peace and many blessings and um, yeah (laughs) that was basically I just wanted to definitely just show my support and just say hello well, thank oh, you yes. very much definitely. for coming on. Definitely, definitely. No. Uh, we, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, no problem, no problem. Oh, yes, oh, yes. I wanted to say, uh, did you get a chance to listen to an excerpt uh, from the book? No, not not yet. Um, actually, I was talking to uh, one of my friends because uh, she's also um, Blacktopia, and she was saying, "Yeah, uh, James told me to uh, call in and chime in." I'm like, "You know what? It's been a minute since I chimed in too." I'm like, "Let me see what's going on." So I didn't even know like who was going to be on the show today. So I was just right now just been listening like the last I think maybe like 15 minutes or so. Uh, what was going on? What a little bit about the book, and um, as you know. I've been now, where, working on where, where are you calling in from? I'm sorry. Where are you oh, calling I'm from in from? Chicago. Chicago. Oh, I love Chicago. <laughs> I love Chicago. Yeah. I, was actually, I, was, I was there June, not this past June, June before last, I was out in Chicago. Oh. oh yeah, we definitely uh it's a lot it's a lot going on right now, but you know, just trying to keep it 
this keep it staying positive. You know, Jay knows I've been working on a uh, I've been working on a vegan cookbook for uh, for a little while now. I've been starting over and over again, but I'm halfway done with it right now, and uh, just doing a whole bunch of stuff, just trying to promote, of course, the plant based lifestyle as much as I possibly can. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Nice, nice. Oh yeah, okay. now, now. Oh yeah, now, now. Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. It's your, it's your moment. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I was gonna say one, one of the interesting ties that you were talking about in terms of the plant-based lifestyle, because in the book Land of the Black Squirrels, it's basically sort of like talking about the health and wellness of the black community, and and in sort of in the holistic sense, we were talking about, about our economy, our business, our education, um, real estate, all of you know, all of those elements. And so, it's really you know really interesting that you cover that part because one of the things that the series it's called Bronx Poem, but one of the things that it goes into sort of like touching down on the different regional flavors because whereas it's a it's like a, this is a New Yorker point of view but this is a New Yorker point of view in Boston and in one of the future books it does take place or sections of it I should say do take place in Chicago um oh, cool. particularly around the blues um I had the pleasure of playing for a while with a, with one of your one of your many blues masters a brother by the name of Charlie Love, out of Chicago. Okay. And a wonderful Ooh. guitarist, wonderful blues player. And I can actually say, although I only played with him for two weeks, he definitely added to my sensibilities of how to play the piano. And um, I developed a new appreciation for the blues and the preservation of the blues or the respect I should say of the blues in Chicago and the and the line that it made up through Mississippi and the interesting thing of being a New Yorker, the attitude that we have about the blues and um because, you know, as a New Yorker we're jazz players and the blues is something that we build off of but we play it to a point that it's not recognized anymore. But then to actually now encounter this very pure clean um, Chicago style and sound against that New York sensibility and just step back and be humble and recognize that feel. So, you know, when you said Chicago, I'm like, ooh, I like that city just because of just because Oh, yeah, of that, Chicago that is definitely the birthplace of a lot of music. Um, you know, uh, we actually have a a a, a go- the gospel museum is actually here because you know Chicago is known as the birthplace right. of gospel music. Right, so right. We also have that here too. It's a lot going Reverend on. Thomas, so. Reverend Thomas Dorsey, yes. Reverend mm-hmm. Thomas Dorsey, who actually was a great before he, before he was Reverend Thomas Dorsey, he was a great blues player. You know, great blues pianist. He used to play with Bessie Smith. Yeah. And you, you have you have an incredible history there. So yeah, but um. If you get a chance, uh, especially since so many of us are quarantined, it's good reading time. Do grab a copy of Man of the Black Squirrels. I think you'll enjoy the vibe. No problem. I'm right now I'm just I'm doing a lot of research, reading, constantly creating more recipes. I might do 
some live uh, demos, some live cooking demos, Jay, just in case if you're interested so you can see it. <laughs> we'll be doing some live cooking demos pretty soon while we're on this quarantine just to, you know, get people, you know, to stay positive, you know, to be able to create. It ain't the end of the world. We can <laughs> just, you know, this is honestly just the best time to catch up and learn learn more about self and once all of this is over, how to be able to get out there and start, you know, being more proactive in the community and doing things, whether it be through food, whether it be through activism, whether it be whatever it is. And um, I appreciate what it is that you're doing, sir, with your book. I appreciate it a whole lot. Thank you very much. Thank you. And likewise, oh, yes. uh, I, w- I, w- I would love to know, I would um, hopefully you'll post on Blacktopia the link to your cooking demos and also when your book is available, how I can find a copy. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. Like, well, Jay, he definitely knows me. He knows how to get in contact with me. Um, but I, I try to share as much as I can. I'm definitely, I've been part of Blacktopia, I think, uh, been a member of Blacktopia, I think, about a year or two now. So, yeah, I definitely try my best to, like, post, like, here and there. I don't want to, you know, flood the page with all the things that I do, but, you know, when it comes to stuff that can definitely help benefit people, I definitely try to, you know, share that. Oh, yes, true indeed. And also, before we go to the next caller, when we get off this uh, coronavirus quarantine, uh, you also, uh, DC, you also do, um, like, pop-ups and little events and stuff like that with for the vegan stuff, I believe, right? I do. Um, yeah, I had stopped for a while, so that way I could focus strictly on getting all these recipes done because I've been, you know, working on this book for about two years now. So I've been, like, hardcore about that. But um, actually, even while I was doing that, um, about once a week or once every other week, I would donate food to uh, someone that, you know, you know, having it hard or uh, to the homeless, I'll donate, like, a pan of food or something like that, uh, a vegan food, which uh, a lot of these people that I donated to are not vegan, however, you know, they they like food, so they don't know that it's vegan until they until after I tell them, which they're still appreciative. But um, yeah, that's what I that's what I try to do. And now, um, once this is done, I definitely want to uh, do more of that. And I encourage uh, anybody that whether whether it's uh, plant based or whatever, you know, if you have something that you can definitely help with the community, because a lot of people are not going to be able to work. And uh, some of the uh, funds are going to be low, especially when it comes to, like, food and all of that. If you can, like, prepare some meals or whatever, give it to, to people who are definitely, you know, going through hardships right now. Oh, yes. Well, you know, oh, yeah, it's, it's good that you're doing what you're doing. Uh, the reason I brought that up, too, is because perhaps you can have Waleen come through and uh, and, and shoot, perform. Uh, read to the read to the community. You know, pass out some books. You know, do some type of collaboration. You know, you got the food. He has the entertainment. Boom. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, once all this is done, we definitely uh, work with um, trying to have an all vegan pop up. So anybody that's uh, selling anything, whether it's uh, a book to promote, you know, health and awareness, and whether it's uh, you have vegan products or food or whatever, 
Um, any time, anything that's inspirational, motivational, yeah, I definitely want to do that. But of course, I won't know official dates and get things done until, of course, all of this is taken care of. So first things first, let's take care of our health, and then we can celebrate afterwards. Definitely, definitely. All right, DC. Uh, well, definitely thank you for the call. Uh, in the future, perhaps we'll make that event work. Definitely, and y'all have a great night. Thank you so much. Oh, yes, yeah. same to you, same to you. All right, we got another caller uh, left. I know it was another caller that, that hung up. Uh, if you're still streaming, you're welcome to call back. We'll get you on. Uh, we'll definitely get Waleen to read some more from his book also, and I uh, want to also ask him some more questions as well uh, before we, before we wrap it up. Uh, so let's go ahead and take this uh, this next call, this last caller, uh, for right now. You know, we, if you want to call in, you're welcome to. Uh, 929-4773. Hello? Okay, here we go, yeah. That number again is 929-477-3872. And just press 1 if you're streaming from an app or a link or a third-party website. Also, if you're streaming from your phone, all you got to do is just press 1 and we'll bring you on. You can talk to Waleen about his books, about the music, about anything you want to talk about. We're all here. JT is here as well. Uh, I'm here, some guy named Jay, Jonathan Coleman, whatever you want to call me, you know, uh, just as long as you don't call me N-word. Uh, you know what? Uh, so it's all good. Let's go ahead and take this caller. Caller in the 586-764. Oh, I didn't even unmute it. Okay, caller in the hey. five eight six. Hey, who we got? Walter Perry Lee. Walter Perry Lee. Let me go in and throw some claps on it for you. Yes, sir. Are you enjoying the show? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just learning, watching, listening, and learning. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, you know, I, go ahead. Okay, you know, like I said, you know, um, with that uh, coronavirus outbreak, you know, we all had to look at, we all had to uh, set things aside for a while until this ends soon, and then, but right now we just had to stay positive and focus on positive and stuff. Mm-hmm. And right now, I um, just want to share some things too that you know I'm, you know, I, about you were saying about creative writing. You know, I've been writing for a long time. I'm a writer myself, and oh, yeah. I got um, and also um, hoping by the end of April we can start. I'm going to get back doing my thing, doing Walter Dreamer Jenner, do two more scenes, and then that's going to be it. And and I'm setting up my own production company too, Walter Lamb Production. Definitely, definitely. And like I said, yeah. you know, I'm 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 supporting I'm I'm amazing. I'm also supporting black businesses too, you know. Um, so that's why I'm trying to set up my own business so I can learn, you know, watch and learn for black business businesses in the black community and stuff. Yes, and sir. Yes, everything. sir. Hey, cause like I said, yes. you know, um, you know, I mean, we need to 
support each other for our dreams and vision and stuff. Yes, true indeed. True indeed, Walter. Uh, you should purchase the book from, uh, from Wallene, Land of the Black Squirrels. Yep, I am. I'm going to support that. And I'm also revamping my book, too, for Walter Dream of Jenna also. You know, revamping my book. So I got that. I got plenty of offers for that. So after, I get, after the filming is completed, uh, a lot of people, like networks all over, they want to uh, promote it. They want to see it come to life. You know, they want to send it to uh, BT and OWN as well, yeah. and I say. And also a stage play out of it, too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, is, do you have a question for um, Waleem about, you know, what you know his, his projects or anything? Yeah, I want to know more about it, too. And if you got a chance, you can put it on... On my uh, on my web, like um, Walter Perry on Facebook, or um, even on or anything, so I could know more about it. Oh yeah, true indeed. I'll I'll, I'll tag you in one of the uh, you know, one of the links, and you can purchase uh, the book. Okay. All right. It'd be great. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely thank you for uh for, for calling in. You're welcome. And let's all stay positive, you know, and let's just all pray and see if this outbreak ends soon so we get back on track, get back doing our thing again, you know, because I'm already in two featured films now. I mean, Convicted and Gumshoe, man, and... And as an actor, and then I'm trying to get my writing, that can really get my stuff off the ground. But like I said, we just got to get this outbreak out of the way, and, and then if it ends soon, we'd be all be back to normal. Again, I do our, go back to our businesses, our daily lives. Yes, sir. Uh, Wally, okay. is there any, uh, any, any advice you want to give to uh, Walter before we move on? Uh-oh. Let's see. Okay, everybody what dropped. What? Okay. Okay, hold on. Let's see where everybody's at. Uh, okay, Walter, well, while we're doing that, you're welcome to... Well, if anybody else wants to call in, you're welcome to do that. Uh, okay. Just give us a call at, at – okay, let's see who this is. Hold on. Caller in the 508-566. You're on the air. Who is this? This is Mualim. I'm sorry. I somehow lost signal. Oh, it's okay. Okay. We're <laughs> not great for that. We're glad you're cool. back on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you, is there, well, I don't know how much you heard of uh, the caller speaking. But uh, but he just wanted some general advice about uh, because he he's writing things, writing scripts as well. Um, I, I, okay, scripts you mean as in screenplay or stage play? Yep, both. I'm both. Yep. Okay, I'm, you got one for a TV pilot for a pilot for a TV series I'm doing, and I after that I got another. They want to make that into a stage play as well, into a feature film too. 
okay, so um, which are you trying to pursue first? Well, right now, I'm almost done with the pilot for the TV series, as well as the book, too. And that's what I'm going to, that's my main goal, get this completed, because after this, I'm going to take that to network TV, and that's going to be the pilot. And then, if it turns out, that's going to be, I got plenty of opportunities for it. And then after that, they wanted, I had another script of it, too, for, for stage play and feature film. Okay. And book two. I also got a book of it, too. I'm revamping of it. Okay. My, and it's online, too. Okay. Okay, beautiful. My, my, my suggestion would be to do it as a stage play first, and from the strength of that, you can revise accordingly and that's often how you can then get the interest to do it as a TV show or a film. That's what I'm doing, too. Okay. So I'm what doing I them all. Say, but I, I got you. What I was saying is the order to do it, I think um, the most cost-effective would probably be to pursue the stage play first. That's true. And then follow suit with the other versions but the stage play is really where you can get the momentum because the stage play is something that you can, or a reading even of the stage play, is something you can invite potential investors to. So now there's something tangible that you have to present to them for when you say, now I want to do this as a feature film or I want to do this as a TV series, etc. Something in front of them. That's... Um, you know, that, that's standardly how it works. Right, right. And that you have it in all of those forms or that you're planning to do it in all of those forms is definitely the right track. It, it's, just, I, it's just what I would suggest is the steps to take that, can, that in a cost-effective manner, one impacting the other. Right on. Right, beautiful. Um, what what is what is the name of the piece? I'd love to look out for it. Well, I'm trying to get this. Okay, I've already planned to start it around. Okay, around um, the summer and fall to get it done, to get it started. Okay. 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 Excellent. Okay. What? Well, that's but what first, we got to get the output. You go ahead. No, go uh, go ahead, Walter. Then we gotta we'll move on because uh, Wally was gonna also uh, read some from his book. So I wanted everybody to stick around okay. and listen to him. You know. Okay. Yeah. What was the I, last thing you I was saying? Say that, I was gonna say, but first, like I said, if I when I get things completed and. And when I do, I'll let you all know when, when I, when I work, when I'm going to do that. But first, I want to get this outbreak, get that Conoris virus out of the way first. So right, we get right. back on, get back on, get back on track on our business and 
ventures and stuff again. So we could won't have to go so long things won't delay again. So right now we had to focus on our health and take care of ourselves before we get back on track. Yeah, get back in business. Hey, that's why I'm supporting all black businesses and stuff. Oh yeah. This is also a good time to focus on creative endeavors. Right. Um, oh, yeah. it, it's pro- it's proving to actually be a good time to build a studio. Right on. That's what I'm doing. Trying to set up my own. That's why I watch and learn things, you know, every time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. All right, Walter. Uh, we'll definitely uh, thank you uh, for your questions, and, and, and hopefully you learned a lot that you could take with you and, 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 and use. I sure will. You're welcome. Definitely. All right, good luck. Well, hopefully you Thanks. You too. Oh, yes. Now, Waleen, we definitely want you to... Oh, yes, we definitely want you to hit us with another excerpt from the book. Okay, I can do that in a few minutes. I'm actually, uh, as I was saying, about literally in the process of building a recording studio, I'm actually... Right now, running some errands. Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's see if we got any other uh, callers. Caller in the well. Uh, oh, shoot! I'm I'm on autopilot. <laughs> uh, if anybody's streaming from the app or a third-party website or a link or anything like that, give us a call at nine two nine. Four seven seven three eight seven two and press one. We'll bring you on. If you're already streaming from your phone, all you have to do is press one. It will bring you on. Uh, we're talking to Waleen about his book. He's also talking about many other things he has going on as well. And uh, before we end it tonight, he's going to read another passage, another excerpt. From the book Land of Black Squirrels, uh, if you're if you're tuned in, definitely search for it. Definitely get it. Amazon, all platforms, uh, purchase it. Purchase the book. Support one another. Support the fine arts. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, Waleem, just well, just let us know when you go ahead. I was gonna say, um, not so much to get away from reading a passage of the book. But I guess, especially in line with what so many of the, of the brothers and sisters who called in, what I saw as a common theme, I think is more something I would like to address. That is a theme that ties together with the book. And it also ties together with um, what I see a lot of the UFOs on Blacktopia. Um, when it talks about black business mm-hmm. and understanding um, principles of economic development, um, one of the sub themes in the book talks about entrepreneurship and um, ownership and being one's own boss. And um, mm-hmm. 
looking at the cultural principles, you know, one half of the fam one one side of my family is West Indian, more precisely Barbados. And of course, economy, economic, business, business ventures, that's very much a part of the culture that you'll find in, in the West Indies and in Barbados. Um owning the land under the house that you live in, owning your business, having a business, you know, having a, having a trade, having even if you work for somebody, also having a side hustle that's your own entrepreneurship. That's a cultural aspect. And the interesting thing is that you find it in some of the philosophies, the economic philosophies, per se, of Marcus Garvey. And it was a funny thing when I started studying up on Garvey early on, and asking my grandparents, well, gee, from what I'm reading, I'd say we're Garveyists. And what my grandmother said is, no, that's not Garveyism, that's common sense. And mm. um, it's part of a post-traumatic slave disorder is coming to that conclusion of owning our own. Not, not renting, but owning our own. And, you know, one one of the ironic things that I see, you know, bear in mind, this was a TV show that I love just like everybody else did. But when I look at the Jeffersons, oh, yeah. the, interest, the interesting irony with the Jeffersons when the Jeffersons were Archie Bunker's next-door neighbor and all in the family, they owned, when they're mm. singing the song, We Moving On Up, they moved from owning a house to renting a, an apartment. They didn't mm. own that apartment. They rented it. But think yeah. about, but, you know, and, and it's like, when Jay-Z says, blank living rich and dying broke, kind of economic message that was being sent or broadcast. We moving on up means now we paying rent. Not that we own it, but we paying rent. But we paying rent in a deluxe apartment in the sky. Mm-hmm. We, went from, we went from owning to renting. That's, the op, that, that's counterintuitive. Yeah. And that's the direction that a lot of us, unfortunately, um, have been taught to move in. And, we, and there are generations of us who do that. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, yeah, we, yeah, we... And, and oh, so it's one of the... It, it's just one of the things... Um, it, it was interesting that when I... When the book was being discussed at a book club, somebody noted that why does it seem that the characters in the book all either try to start businesses or are trying to somehow be independent? And I said, because that's exactly what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, renting an apartment is a transitional aspect of somebody's life, but it should be directed towards the idea of owning. You know, that that's a, that's a sub-theme in the book. Um, working for somebody is a transitional point towards having your own business. That's a sub-theme that runs in the book. 
And that's an interesting mm-hmm. sub-theme that I saw um, so far, everybody who's called in tonight, is that we are oh, now... Yeah that we are now starting to re-examine um, black entrepreneurship, but not as so much as a, uh erudite kind of thing, if you will, but more so as common sense. Mm-hmm. I agree, you know, I agree. You know, it's... Um, so that is one of the pieces or one of the concepts or theories or philosophies, if you will, that's supported in the novel Land of the Black Squirrels and um, would encourage listeners and, part- listeners and participants to um, enjoy that element of the book. It's something that would, I think, encourage the efforts that they're already stepping forward with. As I'm hearing arts academies for young people, as I'm hearing screenplays, um, self-help, and books on healing and positive devotion, you know, um, these, these are all, these are all people who not just have, it's not just that they have something to say, but these are all people who are providing a needed service or a needed insight or a needed perspective for for a broader audience, there's an entrepreneurial side to that, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. You know. Well, you know, that's one of the yeah. main things with black. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, therein lies the Bronx poem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. But um. Definitely. But no. But, and you know, and thank you so much for having the platform like Blacko, um, where this kind of exchange can take place, where the creative entrepreneurs can um, can exchange and can encounter and can dialogue and network. Yes, thank you, thank you, and I'm and I'm glad to have you a part of it. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. All right. Well, uh, well, we're about to wrap it up. Uh, it, it definitely, thank you for that. Uh, well, you know, um, we only got about about four or five minutes left. Uh, JT, is there anything you want to say? Any, uh, you know, last minute things? Yeah, I just want to tell Wallem, man. It's definitely been an honor and a pleasure. I mean, you dropped a lot of gems. And just the interaction with the, you know, with the different callers that called in tonight, that's a, that's an interaction that that'll go a long way because those those callers and and the people that you spoke with tonight, they needed that insight, they needed that, you know, what I'm saying that little <clears throat> guidance, man. And that's that's what makes it beautiful about what we do here at the uh, digital meet and greet. Um, it's the whole purpose, and it and it, depend, it, it redefines why we do. Um, these shows, man. So, without question, man. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of that and giving and sharing your story with our audience, man. And definitely, you know, continue success on the brand new book and everything that you do, man. For sure. Thank you, brother. Thank you. The honor was all mine. Thank you for having me on. Um, maybe at some point, if you'd be interested in the future, 
I, I can can do you know one show that might be a clinic for writers if you want. And um, yes, you know, just chop yes, it up like that. Is. And uh, yes, also, yes, yes. So, you know, yeah, that, that some or, or clinic for creatives in in you know in in any of in any of the areas of fields. That would be um, you know. Something I would love to do with, with your with your uh, with, with the circle. Definitely, we'll certainly we can certainly get that going. All right, you know, especially yeah. since a lot of us are trapped indoors, something like an exchange like that might be a good thing. Yes, yes, we'll we'll start getting the ball rolling on that uh, as soon as possible. Yeah. All right, uh, Wally. Is there, Wally? Is there any uh, anything you want to plug? Anything else you want to shout out for? Ra- officially wrap it up. Oh, uh, well, let's see. Anyway. Uh, 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 a shout out to Barnes and Noble. You know, we we unfortunately had to cancel a lot of uh, appearances over the next couple of months. And um, I know Jay, you and I were talking about maybe doing something. An online reading and signing kind of, you know, facilitating something like that. But, um, you know, and I have to give, definitely give a shout to the, um, you know, we have to really think about, you have a lot of artists, a lot of musicians. Some of them are famous musicians. And um, their bread and butter is performing and touring. And, of course, Tours get canceled and performances get canceled and um, trips get canceled and there is no cushion for that. And, uh, you know, so thoughts and kind words for the folks who are going through that and, you know, the effect that this is having on the performing arts and the um, performing arts community. Oh, yes, true indeed, true indeed. Oh, yes. Again, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, also, check out www.blacktopia.org. We're going to do the reading, the digital reading. We're going to do the, uh, um, uh, the workshops, uh, the workshops for writers, the creatives, collectors. Well, we, we're going to figure it out. We're going to definitely package it up and put it out there for you all to listen to and uh, network, and we'll do it again. Thank you all, and uh, and and just be safe and and stay out of the way of the coronavirus. All right. Yep. All right. Have a good evening, everybody. Definitely good evening. Good night.